The Bible teaches us so much about God's plan concerning men and women and the way God created men and women. The world today tries to make everything the same. Same opportunities, even same roles. It's difficult to enter into our assignment from God and to understand the way God created us unless we view some scripture on this subject. Let's start at Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And the Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And God took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. The woman was created for the man to help him. The man was not created for the woman. Today, worldly women so often are approaching this like, what can I get out of this relationship? One time when I was dating a man, one of our church members said, what did he give you? Did he give you flowers? Did he bring you jewelry? Did he bring you? And I was shocked. I was just shocked. This is not the role created by God for men and women. That woman is created for the man to be a helper. It's not what can I get from him. Will he give me this? Will he give me that? What can I get out of this? And yet that's the way I believe the women of this world are approaching it for the most part. So God created the woman to be an helper to the man. Some women will not marry. They're not supposed to marry. Some women will be assigned other roles by God. But most women will marry. And when they do marry, God has created them especially for that man to be his helpmate and has created them to bear children and care for their children, teaching their children godliness especially through their own godly way of life. 
Eve was deceived by Satan, and after the transgression, God put the following assignment on the man and on the woman, and there was a difference in the role of the man and the woman. For the man, God said in Genesis 3, verses 17 through 19, And unto Adam God said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. To the woman God said, verse 16, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Already we have seen that the woman was created to be a helpmeet to her husband. Now we see her desire is going to be toward her husband, and he will rule over her. And childbearing would be more painful than it was originally intended. So we go forth perfectly created and joined by God. But men and women change the creation in their own wisdom and things fall apart. As long as we do what God wants us to do, we are blessed and we bless others by our lives, whether we marry or whether we are single. As long as we do our assignment, most people don't have any idea what their assignment from God is. It's really quite simple. If the woman marries, she is a helper to her husband, and her desire is toward her husband. And her husband rules over her. And she bears children. And she cares for her children and her home and her husband. Some women say, but that doesn't fulfill me. As a single woman, I have been working with another woman who has five children and a husband. And I just marvel at any woman who can take care of five children and a husband. To me, that is so much bigger than what I do. And yet, I know what I do, 
I'm assigned by God to do it because I wanted to marry. And when I would date a man, it was as if he were magically removed from my life and disappeared. And I knew it was God causing this to happen. After about 42 years, I gave up and said, all right, I give up. I'll do what you want me to do. And from that point on, everything went very smoothly, relatively smoothly. As long as I fought God, there was torment. As long as I kept trying to find a husband, there was torment. But when I agreed to God's plan for me, there was peace. Now, most women are going to marry. So don't sit there and be afraid that you're not going to marry if you're a woman listening to this. Because most women are going to marry. It's the will of God for them to marry. It just happened that I wasn't one of them. But I'm fine in my role, and I marvel at women who can do the other things. I find it amazing. But it's because God caused them to be able to do their assignment. When a man does his assignment, I think we should marvel. But we also know that it's God who caused him to be able to do that. First, I'll talk about married people. In Genesis 26, 3, God said, Sojourn in this land. He said that to Isaac. And I will be with thee and will bless thee. He will bless us in the land where he has placed us. If we agree to the assignment and do with all our heart the assignment, God will bless us in the land where he placed us and we will have his wisdom and we will be a blessing to everyone who comes across our path. First, let's look at the married. In Mark 10, Jesus says, starting at verse 6, From the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more two flesh, but one flesh. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, at the time of sexual intercourse, the two become one flesh. Even if a man has sex with a prostitute, Paul says they become one flesh. And he warns the men, don't do this. Flee fornication. For every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he who committeth fornication, sinneth against his own body. So at the time of sexual intercourse, the two people become one flesh. You can't separate one flesh with a piece of divorce paper. That won't do it. The only way to separate one flesh is by death. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches about divorce, and remarriage. 
They too shall be one flesh. So then they are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. God has joined them through sexual intercourse. They have a desire for sexual intercourse. When they have sexual intercourse, they become one flesh. So it's not really so easy to divorce each other and to go out and remarry because no matter how hard you try, you are still going to have that one flesh. You can't separate the one flesh by divorce proceedings. When you are one flesh, you are one flesh until one of you dies. And that was the way God created it. It's a long way from being that way with most people in their thinking today. So we need to reconstruct our thinking to the way God created man and woman to be. Divorce was given by Moses because of the hardness of the heart. Mark chapter 10, start at verse 2. The Pharisees came to Jesus and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? They were tempting Jesus. And he, Jesus, answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered us to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept. For the hardness of your heart. Your heart was once soft toward your wife, but as time passed, you took on offenses against her, and your heart became hardened. And the same thing happens with a woman, unless she lives a different way, and unless the man lives a different way. By turning to God with the offense and talking to God about it and letting God reconcile the problem and trusting God to create in you a clean heart and to renew a right spirit in you. You are responsible for yourself. You can only take care of yourself. So you must keep your heart from being hardened. And most likely when you do that, the other person will feel kindly toward you. Especially if you're doing your job. Now what is your job? The man's job is to rule over the woman and to go out and work and earn a living. The woman's job is to be a helper to the man. In some cases, the woman helps the man by going out and getting a job. And is still a godly woman. In other cases, 
the man who is in charge, who rules over the woman, may say he does not want her to go get a job. So what does she do if he says that? Well, if she willfully goes out and gets a job, when her husband does not want her to do this, there is great risk of tragedy in the situation. I know my mother wanted to go out and get a job. She wanted to be a teacher. And my dad, who was a mechanic, auto mechanic, did not want her to do this. He didn't make a great deal of money, but he made enough money so that she did not have to go out and work. She could stay home and take care of me. Before my dad died, he said this. He was born again before he died. And then he said he had been thinking about his life, and he decided he did pretty well because he was able to earn enough money so that my mother would not have to go out and work, and she could stay home and take care of me. I'm an only child. Now, does that sound like the way God created man and woman? I had an aunt who was just a really a godly person. She married a man that she didn't love. And she married him sort of out of a teenage spite. And this man was sort of a rough physical man, a hard man. Somehow, along the way, my aunt became born again. She was even taken into heaven once, transported into heaven. And she told me, she said, and it was all golden. She was very different from most people. Early in their marriage, he didn't make much money. She went out, I mean, with his permission, I'm sure, she went out and applied to be postmistress of a little village in Arkansas where they lived. And she got the job. She got to be postmistress, which is amazing. This would have had been somewhere around 1920. But she got the job, and she helped with the finances. That's what he wanted her to do, and she wanted to do it. Later, he became a conductor on the Santa Fe Railway and made plenty of money, so she didn't have to work, but she did continue for a while to work. She had two children, which she raised, but she also worked at a department store. She was incredibly good in cooking and sewing. And so she was hired to work in this dress department of a department store. And I know she did it with great joy. She had a great talent in this, matching materials and helping people to look their best, knowing what things would look best on that woman, knowing what colors would suit her best. And she worked there for several years in this department store even after her husband became financially fitted that she wouldn't have to work. And then at some point, she quit working at the department store. But you see, a woman might work and she might not work out in the world. 
but her primary job always is to be a helper to her husband. And it could be that she helps her husband by earning the money, and that's what he wants. Or it could be that he wants her to stay at home and care for the children and the house. They need to be joined together perfectly in what she does. I have found that when there is conflict, the one that has the Spirit of God, hopefully both have the Spirit of God, but that often is not the case. One will have the Spirit of God and the other will not. When they both have the Spirit of God, it's really quite simple because God will change the heart of the one of one of the two and they will be in the same mind on the subject. When they don't both have the Spirit of God, it's the one who has the Spirit of God, I think, who has to be sure he or she is going in the right direction. So it's, it's harder, I believe, when one of them doesn't have the Spirit of God. Now what about divorce? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 5.32 in talking to the men, But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. If a man divorces a faithful wife, and she goes out after the divorce and remarries, she commits adultery. And the man who marries her commits adultery, but her husband will be the cause of her adultery. It's a sad situation when that happens. What about the women? What he says to the women is this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 and 11. And Paul said, this is a commandment of the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband. But and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or return to her husband. There's a little option on this one. It's not that you are free to remarry if you divorce as a woman. The first thing is God says, let not the woman depart. Don't, don't do it. But if you do depart, you make up your mind that you will remain unmarried or you'll return, be reconciled to your husband. Now, in the case of the man, the only scriptural way to divorce your wife is if she is unfaithful. We had a man in our church group that filed divorce papers against his wife. When I heard about it, I called him and talked to him, and I said, well, was your wife committing fornication? Was she unfaithful to, toward you? He said, no, no, she wasn't. And I said, well, if you'll read Matthew 5, 32, you will see that's the only scriptural reason for you to divorce your wife. I left it at that. He apparently read Matthew 5.32 and decided to withdraw his divorce proceedings against his wife. 
Now let's look again at 1 Corinthians 7, verse 10 and 11. Paul says, And unto the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. So Paul is making this clear that what he's about to say in verse 10 and 11 is the commandment of the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. This is sort of an escape clause for women, because if you were living with a man who was physically abusive to you, beat you up, God says, let not the wife depart from her husband. It'd be better if you don't depart from your husband. But if you do depart, remain unmarried or be reconciled to your husband. So I think you could depart provided you did not remarry and that you purposed in your mind that you would not remarry. Now, in verse 12, Paul's going to give his own opinion on something. And I think he's right. I think he says he, he really thought he had the mind of God. But this, he didn't say, was a commandment of the Lord. Verse 10 and 11 was a commandment of the Lord. Verse 12, but to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. So what Paul is saying is the believer continues to live as a believer then if the unbeliever is not pleased to dwell with the believer as the believer lives as he believes a Christian lives, if she's she or he, if the unbeliever is not content to dwell with the believer, then let him depart, Paul is going to say. Otherwise, let the unbeliever dwell with you if you can dwell in peace with that person. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. That's verse 14. Now verse 15 is very important. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart, or let her depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? So in order to live in peace, Paul is saying, let that unbelieving mate depart. If the unbelieving mate is not, pleased to dwell with you as you dwell as a believer. What about the wife now? Can she divorce her husband? 
and remarry if her husband's committing fornication, like in Matthew 5.32? No, because Matthew 5.32 was Jesus speaking to the men. To the women, verse 39 of 1 Corinthians 7 says, The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. Now someone will say, but we don't go by the law today. We don't go by the law of Moses today, but we go by the laws of the New Testament Bible. And Paul is speaking this to the New Testament church. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord, only to another believer. And then in verse 40, Paul says, But she is happier if she so abide after my judgment. And I think also that I have the Spirit of God. I think Paul is saying, But she is happier if she doesn't remarry, according to his judgment, after the husband dies. When we choose to follow that which is ordained by God for us, and we see and do that scripture by following the Spirit of God, in that which is set forth in the New Testament Bible, we greatly bless ourselves and others. It is good to focus on these scriptures concerning marriage, divorce, remarriage, and remaining single because there are different rules for men and women as set up by God. To review, God created the man first and he created the man from the dust of the earth. Then God said it's not good for man to live alone. So he created for the man a helpmeet. He caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and God removed one of his ribs, sealed up his body, and created woman to be a helpmeet for Adam. Then the transgression came, and they ate from the, uh, uh, the... devil was tempting them to eat from the tree in the midst of Eden. So God put a penalty on both the man and woman. And he said the man would spend his life working by the sweat of his brow. The woman would bear children and she would have more pain in bearing children because of the transgression. But she would bear the children, and her desire would be to her husband. Her desire would be to please her husband, and he would rule over her. Pam Paget told me this story. Her sister, youngest sister, married, and I think she said they had four children. And then the sister wanted to go to work out and fulfill herself. Her husband did not want her to go to work. But the sister insisted on going to work, and she convinced her parents to give her the money to open a daycare center. And she went to work. The husband did not want her to do this. But she did it. 
They ended up divorced. And that is a story which frequently happens. Why? Because God ordained the husband to rule over the wife. God ordained this. And if you go against your husband, I believe you're asking for serious trouble. But if you are content to dwell in your assigned place, God will bless you and everyone else around you. You'll have to work this out on your own, but I can give you the scriptures and you can consider them. But let me just share one other scripture with us. At the judgment seat of Christ, we're all going to be judged according to the scriptures, to the word. The word will judge us and it will judge what we have done, whether it be good or bad. And agreeing with the word is very important. And building our life on the word of God in so much as we are able to do is very important. So consider that. Some women will marry and some will not marry. But if you do marry, it is ordained that your husband rule over you. So you can work this out. But if he does not want you to go to work and you'd insist on going to work, I believe you've got a division there that's going to be serious. And if you, as a woman, are the believer, you better settle it very carefully with God. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.